Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. back after a, a week off because uh pierce and i talked so long about that soccer game that happened a dozen years ago uh that i think it effectively uh counts as two episodes of this podcast or roughly a quarter of a joe rogan episode mm, i wouldn't know because i've never listened to a joe rogan episode i'm really For happy you, to say that maybe 10% of a hardcore history. Oh yeah. I do have a long drive coming up <laughs> and I'm trying to decide. It's like, I could, I could listen to music cause there's a lot of music that I've, I have just not been listening to as much music for reasons. And I'm like, or I could re-listen to one of those cause I'll be driving by myself and no one can be like, this is just a man with a great voice, admittedly great voice talking about how people were exploding all over the place and no one was prepared for it. <laughs> The alone part of that is pretty important because it's you got to have a discussion before you subject someone else to a six hour podcast episode. Yeah. And I mean, it's a six hour podcast episode and being with it and and taking it all in. It really is a bit of a challenge. It It's something that you have to, I think, prepare for. And if someone says, I'm going to have you listen to a six hour podcast it's not something you do lightly. And I think I've, I've given up the, the ghost a little bit by saying something that you don't do lightly. But I recently read an action cookbook essay. What would you call a Substack post? A it's Substack a blog post. post. Yeah. A stack? Um, no. I believe that's how they brand it. If you take someone's don't care. blog post and i don't care you can you can write x you can write x e e t as many times as you want you don't get to just make shit up like that it's a blog post because a substack is a blog yeah so anyways there was a blog post there and it was it was nominally about summer reading and about Hmm. an approach to summer reading and it made me think um as scott hines was writing it made me think about why summer reading was was important and to to lay it out front in some ways i think what was important is less how well you did the book report at the end or talked about it in class or or it was it was that you were challenged with doing something at a time when no one's really paying attention to you and it's it's really a personal thing that you are expected to do and you have to figure out how to accomplish it. Now there's the matter of, of like, is it a goal that you yourself set or someone else did? But it, it got me thinking about challenges and what they mean. Cause I don't know about you two, but I've in whatever age I am now, not middle age, but approaching certain points in life, 
I have started to think about challenges differently and how I approach them or define them. So this is fascinating because I have never once in my entire life until just now, even truly, I've never even pondered the idea that the the value add of summer reading when, you, you know, classic summer reading, you are a a school aged child and uh, they they send you off for the summer and say, by the way, you need to read X, Y, Z books before you come back for next year. Um, I've never considered that the value of that was in sort of forcing you to be like a self-starter and a self-motivator. I've always assumed it was because reading is like hella important, especially when you are at young developing brain ages. And so you shouldn't be allowed to just take a break for three months. Um, but that that does make a lot of sense. Um, and I was. Well, I'm trying to find the uh, the sort of diplomatic way to say a fucking nerd. Um, and I have always been someone who loves to read like to the point where I, I like I have memories of uh, reading at times when I was supposed to be doing other things like mm -hmm. house chores. And and so like I, I was a kid who would have as a punishment, like I would have the book I was reading seized and confiscated temporarily. So like the school summer reading part sort of never like the summer reading that was important to me was the local public library sort of summer reading drive where you'd go in the first weeks of summer and get like a a sheet and you were on an honor system but you would read books and would like you know fill them into your sheet as you finished them and once you hit a certain threshold you would bring your completed sheet back to the library to get yeah. like you know I feel like it was always in conjunction with like Pizza Hut or something like that. Like you'd get a, a Correct. coupon to go get a pizza. Um, so, so for me, in some ways, I like I had a very different perspective on summer reading, and I have kind of maintained it in adulthood more than I like more than having changed. Like I think of because I I track all of my reading activity in Goodreads. Um, I am using it not in the way of like, eat your vegetables. This is something to sort of incentivize you and entice you to do something that you otherwise don't want to do. I'm actually doing it to like give myself cover and a, a, a sort of structured framework in which to make time for something that I know I really love to do. Yeah. So I, I, that's, I think that's good because I, what you've described is the carrot, like you're mm, approaching yes. these challenges. There's a carrot and Max, I think with you, you're working on something right now that I think is a, is a challenge. You're committed to it as a, in similar ways to Sean, but I think it might be, maybe there's a carrot, but there's also the stick aspect. And I think when I typically think of challenges, 
there's a stick involved, but maybe I have some greater idea of uh, almost like a philosophical carrot. Like it will be good if I do this, but it will be uncomfortable along the way. I, but And I think you're dealing with something that is maybe more multifaceted right now than just, I like reading, I'm going to read more books to oversimplify Sean. Yeah, no, I mean, that's right. I, I Part Sean mentioned about get doing something, making time for something you want to do versus forcing yourself to do something you maybe don't is sort of, we're somewhere in the middle for, for, for me and for this. So we're doing something now that's kind of a, a combination of a few different things. Um, and it's basically a 75-day challenge, for lack of a better word, to do a, a couple of things. Um, one is to, to f- follow a kind of diet of your choice. So that's fairly easy. Um, another is to exercise for at least 45 minutes every day. Uh, a third is to drink... 100 ounces of water a day and the fourth is to read 10 pages of a book a day and so i've mentioned this to some people and some people like okay yeah like i already do all those things and 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 that's the thing is it that's kind of the point so the the point is that if you fail on any of the four things you have to start your 75 days over but the ultimate goal i think is that when you get to day 76 you just do all those things anyway because none of them are that it's the be a human challenge a to do, but they're, but they're things that like I have told myself in the past, I like reading. I want to make time to read, but if I, but I've realized that now I'm on day around 30 of this challenge and I have read for 30 days consecutively and previous to trying this <laughs> challenge, I don't know if I've ever read 30 days consecutively because unlike Sean, I, I didn't really do a lot of the reading. I sort of need the, the carrot and the stick. And so mm-hmm. While my carrot and stick are, are very much an internal, like, I want this to be part of my lifestyle. Um, so it's sort of like, how, how do you make lifestyle changes? You, you get into habits, right? And so I'm building mm-hmm. in habits, which is, oh, so, you know, on weekends, now I wake up in the morning and I make my coffee. And first thing I do in the morning is I read my book. And usually I read more than 10 pages because I like it. And that's cool. Yeah. And that's like, so it's tough. I don't know if I'd call it a challenge. I'm not, I'm not forcing myself to do something I don't want to do but I'm not quite making time to do something that I know I want to do. It's like, I'm trying to get in the habit of doing something that I think I want to do. Well, that, yeah. And I don't, I don't and the think water is great. I highly recommend that. Cause I, I was perpetually dehydrated before this. Um, again, it's a hundred, hundred ounces. A lot of people are like, yeah, like I drink way more than that. I'm like, yeah, you're supposed to. It's, it's sort of like a minimum for people who need a reminder that water is good. That was our that was our Joe Rogan sponsored smooth brain moment where we tell you that water good um, brought to you by Joe Rogan. Hot damn. Uh, yeah. So I will say I don't think that the I don't think that it's only a challenge if it is, you know, forcing you to do something that you hate doing or, you know, finding a way to do something that you love. Like, I think the challenge and, and so I, th- I think about. Um, my first, my first sort of work of any kind after graduating from college was a summer internship at Gannett and we were doing product design. There were like 10 or 12 of us that they kind of split into teams and had us working on in groups on developing product ideas. And, And so we had a lot of like guest speakers come in and sort of talk to us about various aspects of you know, of product design. And we talked so much about like 
gamification and sort of how how tacking carrots and sticks onto these things is a way to make them sticky for people. And it's like I think that it's a challenge anytime you are are putting it in some sort of structured framework where it there is any kind of carrot or stick. So like I mean, if you have to start it over, if you botch it one day, like that's absolutely a stick. Um, and I'm realizing now that I didn't actually say what my uh, what my reading challenge is. Um, Emily and I, so, so there's another layer to this too, which is that for probably five years now, Emily and I have been engaged in a friendly competition to... Mm-hmm see who will read the most throughout the course of the year and we use because we both use goodreads like it's easy to track stats and stuff because we realized early on you know she was still in grad school for poetry so she was reading all of these very small books we're like well if if it's just on the number of books that we read she's gonna win every time uh but we so we engage in a contest every year to see who will read the most pages and you know so there we get a little bit of good-natured ribbing out of it um i have won every year except one uh going away like by several thousand pages so you know do with that information what you will um (laughs) But Nothing. it's it's not my challenge <laughs> exactly. But it's just it's very friendly. The stakes are, uh, you know, the loser pays for a bottle of prosecco or the like that we were going to buy anyway, probably. Yeah. Um, but it's just like it makes it it makes it fun, and it's like a reminder. This this year everything has been sort of weird and thrown off by. Uh, by the broken leg and the extended hospital stay and the recovery process and me looking for a new job and now she's looking for a new job. It's, so I think this will this is going to be one of those years where like our totals are very much depressed from from the average. Like I said, a goal for myself. Goodreads, you like set up, you know, a goal for how many books you want to read in the year. And I realized sometime in the middle of May, I was like, oh, there's no way. I'm getting to 30 plus now. No chance. It's definitely not happening. As of today, I've read nine books. Um, so I would have to kick it into unholy overdrive. But, you know, I'm also not sitting here and beating myself up over it. And I, you know, I've got the perspective to say, okay, well, whatever. Let's let's think of what's what's a new target and try to make it happen. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing, too, is what you all are saying is it's making me think about what makes it a good challenge. And, and something I recently uh, grappled with is, is the difference between excuses and observations. And I, I recently ran a race, and it I had trained for it a lot, and it didn't go quite as well as I wanted to, even though my training, I, I did what I was, it was intending to do. And I was bought into it and everything else. And things didn't didn't go exactly my way. And I was kind of cycling through that and saying, like, okay, this is what happened. Also, this is what happened. And I thought, am I making excuses for my performance? Um, 
for not totally achieving this challenge that I had set for myself. And what I came to after talking with others is that there is a difference between excuses and observations. And I think that goes into like the challenge you create for yourself, whether it's Max's combination of things or Sean, your reading or, or say you live in a house and you have some, some projects inside that you're working on or, or a garden or something like that. I think the difference between excuses and just observing how the challenge went is that excuses indicate that you're not fully bought into the challenge. Like I'm imagining the, the summer reading and if you don't finish Catch-22, you might make an excuse because you didn't really want to read Catch-22 and you didn't really value the time in the way that you were kind of challenged to value it. And so you're making an excuse and I get it because one, I've been there and two, it's, well, it wasn't a challenge I chose or it wasn't a challenge that I bought into. So in thinking of different challenges, I think it's good to find ones like like Max um, that it it might be difficult, but you are invested in it. And if you don't meet the goal every day, if you to oversimplify it in a somewhat unfair way, if you fail, that's okay that you failed because you're bought in and you can observe. You know what? I rained cats and dogs today. And I was unable to to exercise in the way I'm used to. That's not that's not excuse, and that's not even a failure because you're like totally bought into it. And so when I look at things that are challenges versus something different, um, I think I want to set challenges and goals that are things I will buy into. And maybe it's reading 30 books. And if you only read 25, but you had a hell of a time doing it, or you read a ton of pages because you wanted to read The Power Broker, like there's something to be said about how wonderful that failure is. And discussing it as something short is just making an observation, but you still did the thing for all intents and purposes. Yeah, I think for, for me, it really helps to have something like a daily reminder to look at things more holistically, like over a long term. Because mm -hmm. if I don't have the daily reminder to read 10 pages, I very easily might not. I'll either forget or I just won't make time, but it doesn't take a lot of time. And then I look back over the past, you know, week or whatever. And I'm like, wow, I'm really enjoying this book. <laughs> I don't, I'm not enjoying these 10 pages. I'm enjoying the book. And that's, and that's really cool. Um, it reminds me of another kind of challenge I've started with just myself that I've it's, it's this isn't, isn't really a challenge, but it's sort of along the same lines, which is that every the past two years now uh, and going on this this winter will be the third year. I've bought a an unlimited ski pass and now skiing is a very expensive hobby. <laughs> um, but once you've paid for the ski pass, it is effectively free to go. It gives you the access that now I have the access to go when I want, but you can go whenever you want. And so what I've tried to do is say, you know, I'd like to go a certain number of days. And then last year it was, well, I'd like to go at least one more day than the previous year. And so that's sort of a challenge I keep with myself, which is I'd like to make sure I ski at least as many days or more than I did the previous year. And yeah. it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, I don't need motivation to ski. I love skiing, but you kind of do. Cause it's one of those things where I also love sleeping and <laughs> When you wake up at 6.30 a.m. and it's pitch black on a Saturday morning in January, 
and your options internally are I can go skiing, which I know I love. It's my favorite hobby, but it's still a lot of effort to go up and get into, you know, 10 degree weather out in the blizzard, or I can stay in my warm bed. Like, I don't know that I need the challenge to be like, ah, go get that day, but I'm never going to regret it. I'm never going to go up and regret having done something I love, but because it, it takes a bit of effort to actually go do it, for me at least, it's helpful in the moment to remind myself that like I'm 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 going to enjoy this in the longer term. Um, I don't know if it falls in the same vein. Again, I'm not competing with anyone. It's I, I guess you could argue that I'm trying to get my money's worth, but that's not really the point. It's not why it's you're more doing like it. I've, yeah. I've gotten this access. I I want to make sure I'm I'm using it. Yeah, I. So that that is a a, a that that is a goal that I think ultimately serves serves a, a lot of different things, even though it seems really small in terms of like, I'm gonna go one more day than I did last year. Cause, cause there's a lot involved in that. You have to spend months going at it. The other thing is I, is I think about, you know, you creating challenges that are after, you know, a, a lifestyle sort of, or, you know, if someone's doing something for budgeting or, or even, even if it is reading, I think another aspect of creating these challenges, we started with summer reading, which is a high school thing. One thing I've realized with these is that I am maybe more sensitive or aware of the challenges I'm making for myself now. Um, because being, I mean, goodness, 10, 10 years into working this, this September, I am in this squishy, floaty stage of these challenges by outside forces in some ways. By that, I mean, as you're going through school, there are rhythms. They are measured in years, basically, or even semesters or quarters, depending on where you are. And you go you go through your school age. And, and even before that, as you're growing, you go to the doctor all the time and they measure you and they say, like, what are you eating? What's your, you know, what's your weight at? Are you having enough vegetables? Everything else. And you get to like 22 and there have been these little chunks of, of goals and challenges all the time. And a lot of them are externally set, but they're there, they're guideposts. And then you enter the working world or you decide maybe I'm going to go back to school and it gets a little fuzzy. And I find myself, I think, still trained on that, those little goals. But now all of a sudden in adulthood, there are still external markers, but it's a little bit different. And I can I can avoid them and create my own in a certain way, or I can totally buy into like, you know, what's my personal earnings call on every quarterly basis? Well, yeah, they're, they're totally different because the role, like the entity that is responsible for your time or, or, or mo most of your waking time, we'll say, um, is no longer it's no longer their sort of primary directive to move you along through the process you reach a point where you school school's job is to get its students you know it's to educate its students and and to move them through the the sort of designated path to keep you progressing forward and forward and then you get into a job context, like you get into the working world and like, you know, it's no longer, I, I, I'm trying, 
I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this without it being, without it coming across as you're, too much of like, he's doing the catchphrase, he's criticizing capitalism. Yeah. Like, uh, your your workplace probably won't reprimand you for stagnating. Correct. Well, school until will, until they fire you. Takes, but that's that's not the same. That's gonna just get you out of their system. Right. School doesn't have that option. School is gonna is gonna do what it takes to to bring students up to speed and keep them moving. A workplace yeah. doesn't necessarily care. Some workplaces might keep mm, you and say, mm, hey, mm. you're doing job A and B. I don't care. He doesn't need to do C through Z. That's fine. And, or they and, might replace and, you with someone else. But either way, they're not going to make the effort to make sure that you can do C through Z. And it may be oversimplifying, but in a way that you can change jobs or go back to school if, if, if a job isn't going well or do a totally different industry you kind of have to go to school for however long like it is it is there there's a re reason why truancy is such such a critical issue because if you don't go to school it's a problem in in which the government will be involved up to a certain age like right i don't know 16 or so so i mean it's like you have to be on that path whereas work and, and i would say there are plenty of goals within work for for most people um it's kind of a stick sometimes a carrot but it is it is it is different there there are still things but it's like you I don't know it feels it does it does feel different yeah we, we talk a lot about both in in the context of the podcast and then just in our conversations we talk about responsibility and accountability and the switch mm -hmm. that flips is that school you are responsible for getting your school work done but like the school is accountable to you for making sure that you learn and grow and and hit these sort of developmental markers that we want kids to hit out in the world your job is not accountable to you at all for anything essentially other than paying you on time yeah and that's and that's different and and i would say that makes me think about something that being where i am in 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 work and you know at some point probably in in life but i am increasingly i have my own things i'm responsible for but i'm accountable for other people mm -hmm. which, which means in some ways i'm accountable for people on my team and the goals that they are setting for themselves. I am a coach, so to say, yeah. and I'm asked to think about that. And here we are talking about like, what's a good challenge for me personally when I am responsible for it. And then like being accountable for others or, or, you know, should you have or adopt or foster children? Like all of a sudden you have to set goals for them or have discussions about goals for them. And this cycle starts again. And so it does make me think more critically about like, having a good handle on what is a good challenge and you know what makes me want to invest in it and do the summer reading versus make excuses for not having done the summer reading if i'm going to be the arbiter of someone else's summer reading challenge and this is where we get the full circle moment that i think we should probably wrap up on that's why like the secret sauce of school summer reading is that it's about teaching motivation. It's about instilling yeah. the sort of self-starter sense. Like I, 
I I will never. It's one of the things we're like, oh, I'll never be able to unthink that now. Now, mm, now I'm there. Now I understand that that is a much bigger part of of that sort of institution than I ever realized. And yeah. you know, I, I will I will now go through life <laughs> thinking about that. Yeah. So. Uh, summer reading teaches you how to get that dog in you. <laughs> Whether you want to do it or you really don't, you got to figure out how to, you know, buy in. I, I think that's that's totally, totally right. Um, but, you know, Max, I know you started in a Montessori school, so maybe it was maybe you went on a totally different track than us. Um, <laughs> but presumably, presumably it's it's a similar thing. Um, OK, Let's uh, let's call time there and move on to uh, Pierce's sorries. What are you apologizing for today? I think I've created a challenge for myself because I've seen the reward of this, which is that, Sean, I don't believe you have a grill of any sort in your current living situation, do you? I have been told that there is a small, like a camp grill. Um, okay. But no, I functionally, not, no, I do not have a grill. There's not one that you are responsible for. And Max, I know that you have a grill and it is gas. So, um, and, and this, that is, that is my next frontier in this, but um, I don't know how much experience you all have with charcoal grills, but I have one. I also have a gas grill because I do. Um, uh, it's the and, American dream, baby. Yeah, it really is. And then they introduced the the little pizza ovens, and so now every <laughs> once in a while, I'm like, it's it's my new it's my new like quarterly thing instead of a video game console. It's like, well, I could get the pizza oven. Um, Has that replaced uh, the KitchenAid mixer as like the expensive thing on wedding registries? Is the outdoor pizza oven? The outdoor pizza oven is it's like very three expensive. Times as I, expensive. I know. I know. I think the progression went like KitchenAid, Vitamix. Vitamix. Now it's the Uni. Yeah. Um, well, it depends on the KitchenAid, but that's sure. We can have a whole other <laughs> podcast where we talk about that because if anybody knows how much kitchen gadgets cost, it's me. Um, <laughs> and, and so, charcoal grills—they they get dirty, but they get dirty in a way that you're like, I'm cleaning. I'm cleaning out the the coals. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. I'm here to tell you that on uh, maybe it was yesterday uh, or Sunday. Sunday, I went and I cleaned my charcoal grill. I took a hose. I took uh, soap and water and vinegar spray and everything else. And I cleaned the whole thing out so that it basically looks new. Things I realized. One, that thing was way dirtier than I realized. And I'm lucky that there weren't bugs everywhere. And mine was comparatively clean to other people. Number two and this is what I'm apologizing for. When you light charcoal and you wait it, wait for it to get going, sometimes it can feel like it takes forever. You want to know why it takes forever? Because your charcoal grill is dirty. Even if you have one of those chimneys and everything else, all of a sudden, all the extra airflow that gets in there with a, with a clean charcoal grill, you go from waiting 20 minutes to like 10 minutes, it is rip-roaring hot. So go clean your charcoal grill. So that you don't have people waiting on your your dumb self for for not doing what you should be doing, which is cleaning things that you get dirty. So clean things, 
that's a good challenge to have. Clean your charcoal grill, I don't know, once a month, more frequently if you use it a lot. I thought this was going to be an apology for using one of those metal uh, grill brushes. No, those are are fine. uh, No, they they are absolutely not. They are very dangerous. The bristles can... Why are they dangerous? Because the bristles break off. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you just eat them. <laughs> Thank you, Mac. Oh yes. I mean, well, I don't know. I've used one forever. I don't know. Uh, totally. Yeah. That you know that pink fiberglass insulation looks just like cotton candy. That's fine too. Mm, that stuff breathes real nice. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. That, that, that's there's a challenge. That's just a challenge to overcome. I don't understand why you're making excuses. The the, the new the internet thing is uh, you clean it with an onion. I don't go on the internet. It's probably a good a good choice for the most part. I get I get I get uh, all my uh, grilling uh, uh, critiques and and suggestions from X. Oh God. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, all right. Well. Uh, 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 so yeah. So there's a, a big idea from pop culture this week. Um, the the. I mentioned that I finished a book today. Book is maybe a bit generous, um, given given the length. But uh, I read uh, the Action Hero Scouting Report, which is the newest piece of work from Shea Serrano, uh, wow. which is available through his uh, his imprint, Halfway Books. It's like maybe a little over a hundred pages. It's it's like a you know sort of a, a humorous scouting report, so to speak, of 27 different action movie um, action movie heroes. Uh, and it's just like it was fun. It was a good thing. It's the first thing I've read in a while. Uh, and so it was a very, a very nice way to, to sort of get back in the groove of things and a perfect, uh, perfect pairing for our discussion today. So, uh, yeah, halfway books, I think it's halfwaybooks.com, uh, is where you can find it. Uh, the action hero scouting report, uh, it is time. We haven't done this in a while. Oh, I'm excited. Max, you got a trivia question for us. Oh, I don't. Damn. No, I'm just kidding. I do. Hey, I do have one. he doesn't yeah, not. I don't not. I, I do have one. Try to keep them relevant as per usual. So. I believe this past weekend, maybe it was two weekends ago, depending on when this is released, um, there were two kind of movies that came out in parallel that have both hit the box office pretty strong. Uh, I believe Sean maybe saw both. There's I did the uh, thing. O- Openhammer and Borby, I think. Oh, Openhammer, open yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that Taika Waititi did like the, that addition to the thor franchise that we didn't think we were going to get <laughs> except that it what it, what it was is it was they cgi'd and they replaced all of the uh the hemsworth with with actually a chris which was which was way better or a different chris i should say um and i think that was good so oppenhammer um was really good yeah but yeah go ahead but i was going to talk about the other one is barbie so um i know sean saw the barbie movie uh, it seems to be, I haven't seen it yet, but I guess it's a movie about the famous Mattel doll Barbie, which we're all fairly familiar with. Correct. So I didn't really, this is going to be an, uh, something admitting. I worked with, with my wife Bridget on this one to figure out a good question to ask about Barbie. I, I was under the impression 
that there was sort of just one Barbie. And people just kind of put clothes on her, and that's how Barbie works. Turns out that's not the case. There's actually like a whole ton of different Barbies, which led to a perfect trivia question, which is, <laughs> what is the best-selling Barbie of all time? Uh, it sold. Uh, it has sold more than 10 million units. So, was it A, Malibu Barbie, first released in 1971? Was it B, Totally Hair Barbie, first released in 1992? Uh, C, Talking Barbie, first released in 1968? D, Disco Fever Barbie, first released in 2008? Or E, Astronaut Barbie, first released in 1965. And I'm saying first released because what I can't tell is some of these, like I know for Astronaut Barbie, there have been multiple mm-hmm. kind of versions. So the year is sort of more of a reference and less of a less of a helper there. For me, it's it's got a it's Malibu Barbie, right? That's that's my guess. That that's also my guess. I I'm not gonna waver from that. It's actually not Malibu Barbie. Oh, and maybe is it the, astronaut? Maybe I hope the question was too hard. That, that is that is what Bridget said she would have guessed as well, but it's not. It's actually totally hair Barbie released in what? 1992. She's got curly wow. hair down almost to her ankles, and she's very popular. So yeah, totally hair Barbie. It's the most. Popular it sounds Barbie like they were ever made. <laughs> feel like that was probably the same time as what were they like the troll dolls or something like people were just into weird hair then yeah, long curly uh, colorful hair yeah totally hair barbie that's good okay did uh, you guys know there were all these different barbies yes yeah i i oh, did because okay. i watched are, are you familiar with this concept it's called capitalism we talk about it i think every week i, I have a sister oh. um yeah. Uh, oh, not not that only sisters can play with Barbies. Sh- sure. Yes. No, but you were more familiar with them in the in the nineties and 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 whatnot than I would have been. Correct. Um, yes. I sp- specifically, I have a younger sister. Mm. Um. So, uh, quick big idea from pop culture part two. Uh, Oppenheimer is really fucking good. It's really good. Um, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It has a little bit of everything. Um, the cast is crazy good. Um, yeah, it's just I. It was one of those movies where I walked out of the theater and I was like, "Holy shit! Do I need to see this again?" Yeah, I think just plan your hundred ounces of water in the day wisely yes. with that movie in mind. Yes, that is true. Um, okay. That is the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com, or you can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening. Bye.